Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness. We seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that He has no partners or associates. I bear witness that Muhammad وسلم, is His slave servant and His messenger. Insha'Allah, in this, our 13th lecture, uh, concerning the various types of salat from Umdat al-Ahkam and its explanation Taysir al-Allam by Shaykh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman ibn Salih Ali Bassam rahimahullah hafidahullah may Allah protect and preserve him Shaykh Abdullah is still living uh, we'd like to discuss this evening a few of the hadith that's mentioned by Al-Imam Abdul Ghani Al-Maqdisi in his book Umdat Al-Ahkam from Kitab Al-Janaiz Kitab Al-Janaiz In Kitab Al-Janaiz it is the final chapter of the book of Salat final chapter which we will take from those matters relating to the prayers or the types of prayers and here Shaykh Abdullah Hafizahullah mentions in the introduction to this chapter that the word Al-Janaiz is the plural of Janazah and it is a word or a name or a noun that is applied to the dead person Uh, and it is also applied to is also applied to the the bed or the stretcher or the thing that the body is carried on along with the body and the janazah refers to the body alone or it refers to whatever the body is carried upon along with the body then he says that the matters or the ahkam or rulings related <coughs> to death are many and what has been mentioned in this chapter briefly deals with the salat salat al-janazah the funeral prayer as well as some of those things related to it such as at-tabthil or washing the body at-takfeen shrouding the body at-dafn burying and some other matters that's what these are the topics that are dealt with here in Kitab 
Al-Jana'id. But there are other matters related to death which he doesn't deal with in this chapter. From amongst them are the financial rights. And this comes under Al-Wasaya, Will, and Al-Fara'id inheritance in other chapters. And since the book Umdat Al-Ahkam, it is a summary of the hadith related to rules and laws. The author, Imam Abdul Ghani Al-Maqdisi, Rahimahullah, has not mentioned everything that we may be in need of for all of the hadith that are related to death. For this reason, the explainer of the book, Shaykh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman Ali Bassam, Hafizahullah, here in the introduction mentions some of the important points of benefit from what may be derived from authentic hadith. <coughs> and what, and, and some, of, some of the points that he mentions here, yani there's no time to mention all of the hadith, but he mentions them in brief just as a point of benefit. Of the rights of the sick person is that their Muslim brothers or sisters should visit them and try to bring some joy or happiness to them at the time while they are sick to improve their situation or their condition. If they were in a dangerous condition, that they might possibly die from, they should be reminded to repent to Allah, to pay their debts, to make a will, and especially uh, especially those matters which they need to clarify in the case that they might pass any information that they need to leave behind related to debt or will or otherwise it should be taken care of at that time also they should be reminded of tawbah and seeking Allah's forgiveness but it should be done in a way that doesn't يعني, make the person become fearful due to the nearness of death to them uh, also they should be reminded to uh, have a good view of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not yani, give up hope of Allah's mercy no matter what their condition may have been but they should hope for Allah's mercy and seek His forgiveness <clears throat> also those who are present at the time of death when the, if, the, if the death approached someone they should encourage that person to recite the shahada in a kind and easy way reminding them perhaps even indirectly to say the shahada so that the last words that a Muslim dies on should be La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah also if one is present at the time when they died they should close their eyes and loosen up their muscle joints and should quickly prepare the body for burial as long as there isn't some need to delay it for some necessity otherwise when a person dies the burial should be as quickly as possible washing the body shrouding the body carrying it to the place of prayer praying over it and burying it all of these are matters that are from the furud kifaya they are the obligatory matters that are a common obligation on the Muslims who are present or know of the situation of that person and who are capable of fulfilling this obligation. It is a common obligation as long as enough of the people fulfill it and the others are free of blame. Whereas if no one fulfills it then all of the Muslims 
would be equally at blame and sinful. <clears throat> also, he mentions here in the introduction concerning the description of Salatul Janazah that there should be four takbirat, the saying of Allahu Akbar four times, and after the first one, the recitation of Al-Fatiha. And perhaps although all of these hadith are not mentioned in the book, in this chapter, due to the fact that it is a summary, but perhaps in the end, if there is a chance, uh, we may mention some of those hadith that are not contained in Umdat al-Ahkam. After the first takbir is the recitation of Al-Fatiha, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, and so on. After the second takbir, there is As-Salat ala al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allahumma salli ala Muhammad Allahumma barik ala Muhammad and so on and after the third takbir there is Ad-Dua lil-Mayyid there is supplication or supplicating for the dead person and the supplications that have been recorded in authentic hadith are numerous from amongst them of the most common of them is Allahumma ghfir lihiyyina وَمَيِّتِنَا وَشَاهِدِنَا وَغَائِبِنَا وَصَّغِيرِنَا وَكَبِيرِنَا وَذَكَرِنَا وَأُنْثَانَا and so on. O oh Allah, forgive our living and our dead, those who are present and those of us who are absent, our young and our old, our male and our female, to the end of the supplication. Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah said <coughs> that it has been authentically confirmed in the Sunnah that the Prophet ﷺ used to perform the Salat al-Janazah on the grave of a man from amongst his companions if he had been buried, if that person had been buried without his knowledge if the Prophet ﷺ hadn't prayed over him and he came to know that that person had already been buried then he used to go to his gravesite and pray make the Janazah prayer for him over the grave while the person was already buried Otherwise, the Salat al-Janazah should be performed before the person is buried. And he also, it is also confirmed that he used to say, Salu lahu al-tasbeet. Yani, ask Allah for the dead person, once they are buried, that we should ask Allah that he grant that person firmness or steadfastness. فَإِنَّهُ الْآنَ يُسْأَلُ Because at that point, as the people have put the body in the earth, and they begin to leave, that is the time that the angels will come and question the dead person, asking them, who is your Lord, what is your religion, who is your prophet, and so on. Uh, also, he says that it is confirmed in the sunnah that the person who has been buried is not only questioned, but also they would be tested. It would be a trial for them. They would be tested in the grave. There is a test or a trial in the grave. And some of the people would be punished in the grave. And also, he said that we have been commanded to make supplication uh, for that dead person. This is the end of his introduction. Here he mentions Bab fi as-salat ala al-ghaib wa ala al-qabr. And he, the chapter related to the prayer on the person who is absent, the person who died in another land praying over that person whose, whose body is not present but is absent and also praying over the person who is in the same land but has been already buried and he performing the prayer over the person that's already 
buried or the person who is in another land, absent. In the first hadith, hadith number 152, the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, قال نعى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم النجاشي في اليوم الذي مات فيه وخرج إلى المصلى فصف بهم وكبر أربعا Abu Hurair said that the Prophet and he informed the people about the death of An-Najashi. He informed the people about the death of An-Najashi in the very day in which he died. The same day that An-Najashi died in Ethiopia. The Prophet was informed by revelation and he told the people that he had died. Then he went out to the prayer grounds, to the place outside where they used to perform the prayer and he lined the people up and he made takbir Allahu Akbar four times yani the janazah prayer consists of four takbirs and this is the final practice of the Prophet four takbirs and salat al-janazah although they are authentic narrations of more than four takbirs of five takbirs but that which was the final action of the Prophet and which is agreed upon by the scholars as actually being the final ruling is that the Salat al-Janazah consists of four takbirs. The second hadith, hadith number 153, is the hadith, Jabir Jabir ibn Abdullah al-Ansari said that the Prophet prayed, performed the Janazah prayer for al-Najashi, who was the ruler of Ethiopia, and the Prophet ﷺ called him to Islam and he accepted Islam and he died as a Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ was informed that he had died so he prayed over him and Jabir who said that I was in the second or the third row. In the second or the third row. Yeah, he says that in Najashi his name was Afhama and this is reported in some of the authentic hadith in Al-Bukhari that the Prophet ﷺ said that called him by that name, Ashama, your brother Ashama has died, so pray over him. And he called him your brother, yani which is a proof that An-Najashi died as a Muslim. He died in the month of Rajab, in the ninth year after the Hijrah. Anhu. The Shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith is that An-Najashi, the king of Ethiopia, he was very generous and kind to those who made hijrah from amongst the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. The first land that the Muslims made hijrah to was to Ethiopia, before the hijrah to Medina. And the hijrah to Ethiopia was on more than one occasion. At one point the Muslims had made hijrah to Ethiopia and heard that the pagans had accepted Islam and they came back to Mecca only to find that it was untrue and they made hijrah again. Ethiopia and finally the final hijrah was to Al-Medina. So Al-Najashi, he was very kind to the Muslims who made hijrah from Mecca to Ethiopia at the time when the Quraysh, the pagans were persecuting the Muslims and before the people of Medina had accepted Islam. He was kind and generous and helped them very much. Then his good intention and his inclination to follow the truth and to reject pride led him and Najashi to become a Muslim and he died in his land 
without having seen the Prophet ﷺ. But due to his kindness to the Muslims and his high status as a ruler of his land and the fact that he was in a land where no one had prayed over him, the Prophet ﷺ informed his companions radiallahu anhum ajma'een of his, of his death on that very day in which he died and he went out with them to the prayer grounds, the musalla, lined them up in rows and made takbir four times as a means of shafa' or intercession for him in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yani, the Salat al-Janazah is a means of intercession, seeking forgiveness for the person who has died. <coughs> the scholars differed concerning as-salat al-ghaib, the prayer over the ghaib, the person whose body is absent, who died in another land. Can the people or should the people pray over him who are not in the place? where he has died. The first opinion is the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa and Imam Malik rahimahumullah and they held that it is not legislated to pray over a dead person whose body is absent. They held that it is not legislated. And their answer or response to these authentic hadith which are related to the matter of the Prophet ﷺ praying over Najashi they said that this was something particular or special for the Prophet ﷺ and that others after him should not do so. The second opinion is the opinion of Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah and also it is the well-known opinion of the students of Imam Ahmed rahimahullah that it is legislated. It is legislated in the Sharia to perform the Salat al-Janazah over the dead person who is absent due to the authentic hadith concerning this and they said that those who claim that this is specially for the Prophet have to bring some proof indicating that otherwise uh, if there's no proof indicating that this was specially for him then it's general and it is the right of the Muslims to pray over the dead person whose body is absent. A third opinion is the opinion of Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah which is sort of an in-between or middle course between these two opinions and he said that if the dead person whose body is absent hasn't been prayed over by any people in that land then he may be prayed over. Yani he may, the prayer may be performed for him in his absence as it happened in the case of Najashi and if the people had prayed over him in the land where he was then there is no obligation on the other people in another land to pray over him. And this has also been reported from Imam Ahmed rahimahullah, uh, and it was considered to be the correct opinion by Imam Ibn Qayyim who said that this is due to the fact that there were people who died in the time of the Prophet ﷺ from amongst his companions who were absent, who died in other lands in battles and it has not been confirmed that the Prophet ﷺ prayed over even one of them not even one of them so he said that this is a proof then that Salat al-Ghaib uh, is not to be performed for the people who are absent if someone has already prayed over their body in the land where they died because the Prophet ﷺ didn't pray over the, he didn't make Salat al-Ghayf for those who died in other lands. Though he was informed that he knew that they had died in those lands, but as long as the other Muslims who were there prayed over them, then there was no need to pray over them. It has also been reported from Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah. He narrated it or reported it from Imam Ahmed rahimahullah that he said, if a person dies who was a righteous man, Rajul Salih, and in some of the hadith in Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ said, Rajulun Sali, that a righteous man has died, referring to a Najashi. 
and he told them then to pray over him. So Imam Ahmed said that if a righteous man dies, he should be prayed over. And he used the case of an Najashi as a proof for him. Because in some of the narrations, actually, the Prophet used this expression. He said that a righteous man has died, so pray over him. Uh, and this is the general summary of the opinions of the scholars concerning this. Those who said that you shouldn't pray over them, those who said that you should, and those who said that it depends. If the body has already been prayed over, then there's no need. If it hasn't, then we can do as the Prophet Sallallahu did in the case of Najashi. From this hadith, the Shaykh mentioned six points. The hukum, or the ahkam, the rules or laws that, or points derived from this hadith are six. The first of them is that it is legislated to make salat when someone dies. To make Janazah prayer over the person who has died. This is legislated in Islam and it is a means of intercession for them and a supplication from the Muslims or his brothers. It is a supplication from them and a means of intercession for him. Number two, it is legislated also to make salat on the absent person. This is also legislated and you keep in mind the difference of opinion amongst the scholars those who said it is not legislated and those who said it is and those who said it depends on whether the body has been prayed over and here the shaykh says that praying over the ghaib or absent person is not yani, an absolute legislation but it is particularly in reference to those who, who have a high status or have done some uh, acts of goodness or kindness or benefit to the Muslims in general who have benefited Islam in a great way or benefited the Muslims as was the case of Najashi number three he said that praying over the dead person in the Musalla Al-Eid Musalla Al-Eid yani the prayer grounds outside of the city where the people go to pray the Eid prayer uh, if there was a large number of people then it is legislated to go out to the prayer grounds to perform the Salat al-Janazah. Number four, that the takbir in Salat al-Janazah, there are four, as mentioned in the introduction, and the supplications that should be recited after them were also mentioned in the introduction. Number five, he said that there is a virtue in having a large number of Muslims to pray over someone when they die and even it is also virtuous that it should be three rows and if it's possible to make three rows as it was in the case uh, here in the hadith of Jabir it is virtuous or commendable to line the Muslims up to divide them into three rows and this is based on the hadith which is reported by the in the books of Sunan that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said ma min mu'min yamutu fayusalli alayhi ummatun min al-muslimin yablughuna an yakunu thalathata sufuf illa ghufira lahu that there is no believer who dies and a large number of people from amongst the muslims have prayed over him to the extent that their number reach the extent that they were divided into three rows jazakallah khair uh, that if their number, that if a large number of Muslims prayed over the person to the extent their number reaching three rows, that this was something 
are virtuous and that whoever it was done for that that person would definitely be forgiven and Allah will forgive them their sins also number six he says it is permissible to announce to the people or to inform them about the death of someone if there is a benefit in doing that and it's not something that should be generally done that announcements should be put in the newspapers or otherwise announced on television and radio as, as is done when some personalities die this is not legislated in Islam but if there is a benefit in announcing it as was in the case of Najashi because the people had no way to know except that the Prophet ﷺ announced it to them because he was informed by revelation if there is a benefit in doing so uh, then it's allowed and it's permissible there's some maslaha such as in order to increase the number of people that pray over that person or to inform their relatives who may be yani, not accessible to that information there's no harm in doing so and this uh, is not, it doesn't come under the title of annayu al-manhiyu that is the announcing of someone's death that has been prohibited yani the prophet sallallahu said in a hadith iyakum wa na'ya fa inna na'ya amalul jahiliyyah that i i warn you to beware of making yani announcements publicizing the death of people yani without any benefit because this action is one of the actions of ignorance of jahiliyyah yani the people in jahiliyyah used to do that they used to go to the high places uh, and call out to the people in a loud voice praising the person who has died sometimes truthfully and sometimes lying just saying good things about the person who had nothing good to be said about them but they used to do so announcing the death of the, death of the person and this is something that has been discouraged in Islam and it has many many evils that are derived from it it is prohibited to do so but the announcement of the death of someone is allowed only in the case where there is some benefit in doing so and also there is a hint here at uh, a warning against making eulogies and if this is something that is not encouraged in Islam that when someone dies that a speech is made over their body praising them saying all kinds of good things about them whether it's true or false it's not something from Islam the next hadith is hadith number 154 the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah may Allah be pleased with him and his father that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam salla ala qabrin ba'dama dufina fakabbara alayhi arba'an Abdullah ibn Abbas may Allah be pleased with him and his father said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam performed the funeral prayer over a grave yani he prayed over a person after they had been buried ba'dama dufina and he made takbir over that person performing the salat of janazah he made takbir four times the general meaning of this hadith the shaykh says is that it was the natural disposition of the Prophet ﷺ and part of his good character that he was characterized by mercy, kindness and compassion and whenever he missed one of his companions he used to ask about him anyone that he didn't see for some time he would ask about them to find out what was their condition what was their situation had anything happened to them yani he used to be concerned and very aware of the people and he used to ask about those who he didn't see so he asked about 
he had asked about the person who was buried in that grave on that occasion and they informed him that the person had died. So the Prophet ﷺ had hoped or he had wished that they had informed him so he would have prayed over that person before they buried him because his praying over the person is a means of peace and tranquility for the dead person. And it is also, it, it is a means for the person to have light to remove the darkness that the people are subjected to in the grave. The prayer of the Prophet ﷺ is a means of peace and tranquility and it is also a means of light to remove the darkness that the person experiences in the grave. So the Prophet ﷺ when he came to know that a person was already buried, anyway he went to their grave and he performed the Salat al-Janazah over the dead person. That was a dead person whose body was present but they were buried in the grave. From this hadith the Shaykh mentions three points or three rulings. In the first hukum is that it is legislated to pray over a body even after it has been buried. To pray over the body at the grave site. And we should not give any consideration to those who rejected the permissibility of praying over a dead body at the grave site. Because those people who rejected this position, in fact, they have rejected authentic texts from the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ without any proof to reject it. So we accept the authentic hadith and the practice of the Prophet ﷺ and we accept that it is legislated and permissible to pray over a dead person who has been buried at the gravesite. Some of the scholars restricted this permission. Some of them restricted this permission to time periods and they said if it was up to one month and you came to know about the person, you didn't perform Salat al-Janazah when they died, if you came to know about it, up until one month you can go and pray over them. Some of the other scholars said that it's not limited to one month, but as long as the body remains, it hasn't been completely deteriorated. If there's something remaining of the body, then it's permissible to go and pray over that person even after a long period of time. And some of them said that the permission is eternal. Yeah, and if there's no end to it. Anytime a person came to know of someone who died and they hadn't been present for the funeral prayer, they can go to the cemetery, to the grave of that person and pray over them. In any case, there doesn't seem to be any clear text which limits it to a certain period of time. But there is a hadith in Al-Bukhari that the Prophet ﷺ passed by a grave of a person who was buried during the night. That person was buried during the night and the Prophet ﷺ came to know about it later and he said, when has this person been buried? And they said, last night. Al-Imam ibn Qayyim says that it was reported from the Prophet ﷺ that it was his practice whenever the funeral prayer had been performed on someone and he missed it, then he would go to the grave and pray over that person. And this has been reported for six different chains of narration which are hasan or good reports. So this is a proof that yani, if you came to know of someone who passed away and you didn't pray over them, you can go to the cemetery and pray over them. Number two, <clears throat> that the prayer at the gravesite of the person who's buried is the same as the prayer over the body that's present before it's put in the earth. Yani the performance of the prayer is the same. There's no difference in it. Number three, yani here in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ prayed over the person who had been buried and he made the takbir four times like he did for the people who he prayed over before they were buried. So the salat is the same of the person who's in the grave just as the person who had not yet been buried. Number three, also this hadith indicates 
the mercy and compassion of the Prophet and how he was concerned and aware of any of his companions that he had missed and that he used to ask about them no matter what their condition was or their situation or their status in the society and Al-Hafid ibn Hajj al-Askanani in his explanation of Al-Bukhari mentions that the person who was buried in this grave actually was a woman she was the woman who used to take care of the masjid she used to sweep the masjid and the Prophet was aware when he missed her he was aware of her absence and he asked about her and he went to the cemetery to pray over her the next hadith I think is hadith number 158 now the next hadith that we are going to take is hadith number 158 and it is the hadith of Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu ala nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal Abu Huraira said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said asri'u bil janazati fa intaku salihatan fakhayrun tuqaddimunaha ilayhi he said hurry hasten with the janazah with the body hasten to bury it to pray over it and to put it into the earth for if it was a righteous person then it is khair it is good that you are hastening them to and if they were a righteous person then you are hastening them on to their reward if they were a righteous person but if they were other than that other than righteous then they are evil it is something evil if they were other than righteous then it is something evil and you should hasten to get it off your shoulders I need to get them out of the way to get them placed into the earth as quickly as possible the shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith is that the human being consists of both spirit and body spiritual and physical but the virtuous part of the human being the honor and the value or the beneficial part of the human being or the fruitful part of the human being the important part of the human being is the ruh the spirit so if the spirit separates from the body then the body remains without any benefit there is no benefit from it there is no benefit in keeping it on the earth amongst the people a dead body there is no benefit in keeping it in fact the more it remains on the earth its sight becomes ugly and its smell uh, from the decay and the rot is a bad smell so it is encouraged in Islam that the person who has died once, once the spirit has separated there is no benefit in keeping the body they should be quickly buried for this reason the legislator that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is all wise has ordered us to hasten in preparing the person's body when they have died washing their body performing the prayer with them carrying them to the cemetery and burying them and he has pointed the Prophet has indicated or pointed to the wisdom of hurrying to bury someone and he indicated that it is due to the fact that if that person was saliha, if it was a righteous soul then you will be hastening that soul onto that which is good for it 
you'll be hasting it onto its reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for it. And if it was an evil person, then it is encouraged that you should get that person out of your responsibility and off your shoulders and take rest from them, from seeing them and from caring about them and bury them, put them in the grave as quickly as possible. From this hadith, the shaykh mentions also four points. The first of them is that it is mustahab, it is encouraged that we should hasten in preparing the body when the person has died except that that hastening should not be the cause of causing any harm to the dead body nor causing any harm to the people who are carrying it or following it to the cemetery number two hastening uh, to bury a dead person the person should be careful or the people should be careful that they don't bury a person who might simply be unconscious and it's possible that a person might be very sick and they might go unconscious but not actually they may not actually have died so hastening to bury the person doesn't mean not ascertaining whether or not the person has actually died but in fact before burying them it should be clear we should, we should be sure that the person has in fact already died and also hastening the person it is permissible to delay the burial for some extent if there is some maslaha or some benefit or some reason or cause to delay it slightly such as allowing for some people to come for the prayer and if the prayer if the people who came to pray over the person were very few and it was possible to contact other people to come and perform the funeral prayer over that person to delay the prayer for some time for one hour or two hours or something like this inshallah there is no harm in doing so due to the importance of having as many people as possible to perform the prayer and supplication for the person who has passed away also with allowance of those relatives who may be relatively close to come to give them a chance to attend the Salat al-Janazah it is also permissible to make a slight delay for such things as long as there is no fear of any harm coming to the body by a lengthy delay in general hastening is the rule it is mustahab and encouraged but a delay for a benefit is permissible as long as it's just a slight delay number three the third ruling that comes from this hadith is that in this hadith there is an indication that we are encouraged to seek the companionship of those who are good and companionship of the righteous and we are also warned and discouraged from keeping company from those who are wicked or evil as the Prophet ﷺ said that if the person was a righteous person then you would be hastening them on to their good but if they were evil then try to get them away from you as quickly as possible that means we should avoid the wicked people or the evil people the last point that he mentions from this hadith is the saying of Shaykh Islam Ibn Taymiyyah that whoever 
openly shows Islam, yani the open display of Islam in their activities, they appear to be a Muslim and they show themselves as a Muslim, then the rulings, the ahkam of Islam that are done openly should be applied to them. Like marriage and inheritance and in the matters of the dead person washing their body and praying over them and burying them in the cemetery of the Muslims, all of these are applicable to the person who openly shows Islam. It's not for anyone to judge what's in anyone's heart and say that someone is a hypocrite or otherwise, but if somebody showed Islam openly, then the open uh, or the manifest rulings of Islam are applied to them. Uh, the last hadith perhaps that we can take now is the hadith, the short hadith, hadith number 159. It is the hadith of Um Atiyah Al-Ansariya radiyallahu anha May Allah be pleased with her Qalat Nuhina An ittiba' al-janaiz Walam yu'azam alayha Um Atiyah radiyallahu anha She said that we had been prohibited Meaning the women We have been prohibited from following The dead bodies only when a person died. We have been prohibited from following their bodies. But it wasn't something that, a, that was a firm prohibition from the Prophet It wasn't like the real tahrim or prohibition that is absolutely prohibited, but more so as a discouragement. That the women were discouraged from following the bodies. The Shaykh says concerning this hadith, the meaning of this hadith is that Um Atiyah Al-Ansariyah radiallahu anha she was one of the great noble women companions of the Prophet وسلم, and she made us to know that the Prophet وسلم, prohibited the women from following the janais the dead bodies due to the extreme emotionalism pity and softness the soft nature of the women. They don't have normally the patience to deal with calamities and afflictions like the man does in general. For this reason the Prophet ﷺ discouraged the women from following the bodies. Nonetheless, in spite of that, Um radiallahu anha, she understood due to the circumstances of that prohibition from the Prophet ﷺ, that this prohibition was not an absolute confirmed prohibition. Yani, it was as though she understood that it wasn't something absolutely prohibited, but it was a discouragement. From this hadith, the Shaykh mentions also four points. The first of them, the first hukum, is that generally the women are prohibited from following the funerals. They are prohibited from following the body. And this is in general, meaning from following it to the place where the washing and shrouding is done, as well as to the place where the body is prayed over, as well as to the cemetery where it is buried. The women are generally discouraged from participating in these things. Number two, he says that the reason the illa or the cause for this prohibition is that the women normally cannot bear 
such emotional occasions or distressing sights as a dead body. And perhaps if they were present and witnessed such things, you might see the effect. It may be something that is shown in the expressions or in the actions, their displeasure or anger or anxiety or anguish or sadness. And all of these things are in contradiction to the sabr or the patience that we have been commanded with at the time of the death of someone. Yani the Muslim is expected to bear patiently this such an occasion as the death of someone who is close to them or a loved one or any Muslim for that matter. We are expected to be patient. Uh, even if the person was close to us, we are expected to bear it patiently and to remember that we came from Allah and to Him, all of us must return. Therefore, since women normally don't bear such things, then it is discouraged that they be present for such occasions. The third point the Shaykh mentions, it is a general rule, a qaida that we can apply in general from the, or an asul, from the usul of fiqh. And it is that an-nahi taqtadi al-tahreem. That whenever there is a prohibition in the Qur'an or in the sunnah, it generally indicates that the thing is prohibited. Whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us not to do something, the general meaning is that that thing is haram. If the Prophet orders us not to do something, the general meaning is that that thing is haram. In this occasion, Um Atiyah understood due to the surrounding circumstances that the prohibition of the women from following the janazah, it wasn't a confirmed prohibition, but it was more so of a discouragement. And the women who don't fit under that category, who wouldn't scream and shout and do those things that are prohibited due to their emotionalism, then there's no harm in following the body. And the last point the Shaykh mentions, <clears throat> is that Ibn Daqiq al-Eid Rahimahullah indicates or pointed out in his expansive uh, explanation of Umdat al-Ahkam he said that a number of authentic hadith have been reported which indicate that the prohibition is actually more severe than what is indicated in this hadith, the prohibition of the women following the dead body. Uh, and for that reason, yani some of the opinion is that depending on the circumstances and the condition of that woman, this would determine whether or not she should be prohibited or not. And if she's known to be emotional, then it's better that she don't attend. And if otherwise, then inshallah there's no harm in it. And this discussion is actually a lengthy discussion. Some of the scholars discussed it as a full topic and brought many of the evidences which show that the permissibility of the woman attending the Salat al-Janazah and following the body to the cemetery and even visiting the cemetery that it is not an absolute prohibition and that it's allowed and Allah knows best there's still a couple of hadith but we won't be able to finish them perhaps I don't know this hadith now well, how much time is left before the other? Seven twenty-four, maybe fifteen minutes. Let's take one more hadith. This hadith is under the title "Bab fi Mawqif al-Imam," and the subtitle concerning the position 
of the Imam, yani where the Imam should stand at the time of performing Salat al Janazah. This is hadith number 160, the hadith of Samura ibn Jundab radiallahu anhu qal sallaytu wara'a Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala imra'atin matat fi nifatiha faqama wasthaha. Samura radiallahu anhu said that I prayed behind the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he performed the funeral prayer of a woman who had died during childbirth or died as a result of delivering a child during the delivery of the child or as a result of it and the Prophet ﷺ stood in the, at the middle point of her body and he didn't stand at the head which is the place where the Imam should stand for the man but he stood in the middle of the body and the Shaykh says general meaning of this hadith is that Samra ibn Jundub radiallahu anhu prayed behind the Messenger of Allah ﷺ at the time that he prayed over a woman who had died during childbirth and he stood at the middle of her body and that was to screen her or to cover her from the people seeing her during the time while the body was being placed in front of him and this was before the people started to using something as a covering over the body of the woman so that the body couldn't be seen which is generally used today in some of the Muslim countries that the body is actually placed in not a coffin as in the western countries but in some kind of enclosure so that the woman's body even under the shroud so that it shouldn't be seen the shape of her body and this is better because the person when they are living and, the, and when they are dead should equally be protected and especially the women and Allah knows best here the Shaykh mentions four rulings from this hadith or four any points or benefits that may be derived from this hadith the first of them <coughs> is that Salat al-Janazah or the prayer, the funeral prayer of a dead person is legislated in Islam this hadith is a proof that it is legislated when a person dies that we should perform the funeral prayer for them number two that the position of the Imam when he is praying over a woman should be at the middle of the body and it doesn't matter whether that woman died from childbirth or otherwise. The point here is not that she died from childbirth, but the point in this hadith is the position of the Imam when he prays over a woman. <coughs> Number three is that the women uh, who died during delivery of a child, during childbirth, if a woman dies from that, she achieves the honor of a shahada. And it is a form of martyrdom that a woman dies during childbirth. However, she should be prayed over. And this type of shahada is not similar to, it is not equal to, and it doesn't take on the ruling of the shaheed who dies in the battle who dies in the battlefield when the Muslim armies are facing the disbelievers and in the person who dies on the battlefield this type of shahada is different than the other types of shahada like this case when the woman dies from childbirth or the person who dies from a building falling over them 
or the person who dies from some kind of stomach disease and so on has a dimension in various authentic hadith of the Prophet he mentioned so many people and he said this is a shaheed and this is a shaheed and this is a shaheed but the rulings or the ahkam related to the shaheed who dies on the battlefield is different is different than the other types of shahada so here this one the person should be washed and prayed over number four the fourth point that he mentions <coughs> is that the reason or the cause or the hikmah for the imam standing at the middle of the woman is that it covers her and this is better for the protection of the woman so she's not seen by the people here he mentions Shaykh Abdullah bin Abdurrahman his explanation concerning this after mentioning these rulings he mentions some other points of benefit so amongst them he said that the position of the Imam when he prays over a man is that he should stand at the head opposite or parallel to the head and this is based on the hadith that's reported by a Tirmidhi who said that the hadith is Hassan and not only that but that hadith has also been reported by Abu Dawood and Ibn Majah and other collectors of hadith this is a good acceptable hadith it's reported Anna Anasan Salla ala rajulin Fakama inda ra'sihi Thumma salla ala imra'atin Fakama hiyala Wastis sariya That Anas Ibn Malik radiallahu anhu prayed over a man and he stood at the head of the man then he prayed over a woman and he stood near the middle of the uh, stretcher or the thing that she was laying upon فَقَالَ الْعَلَّاءِ إِبْنِ الزِّيَادِ هَكَذَا رَأَيْتَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ قَامَ عَلَى الْجَنَازَةِ مَقَامَكَ مِنْهَا وَمِنَ الرَّجُلْ مَقَامَكَ مِنْهُ يعني Allah, one of the, the narrator of the hadith, he said at that time when Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu was praying, after he prayed over man and prayed over woman, he asked him, he said, is it in this way that you have seen the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam standing over the dead body of a man or a woman and standing over the dead body of a man? Have you seen him doing like this? And Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu said, naam. Yani, he affirmed that this is what you have seen me doing it is what I have seen the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and this is the proof that the standing the position of the Imam for the man is different than the position for the woman for the man it's at the head and for the woman at the middle of the body then the Shaykh says also some general points of benefit is that if there is more than one body that is presented for Salat at one time it is sufficient to pray one time over all of those bodies at the same time and if there are two or three or even more, there's no need to pray Salat al-Janazah four times, but one time is sufficient. <coughs> if they were all men or all women, then the Imam or the, the person who is in charge should place the best of them in the front. And is the one who was known to be preferable in knowledge or in righteousness or otherwise should be placed in the front. If they were mixed, men and women, then the men should be placed in front of the women. And also he says that the salat of janazah it is a means of intercession 
by the people who are praying for that dead person. Yani asking Allah's mercy upon the person who has died. In that case, it is incumbent and it is important that the person should make supplication with sincerity because that supplication actually is a great important help to the person who has passed away who is not able to do anything for themselves and every one of us will be in that position in need of those to pray for us. Therefore, everyone who prays Salat al-Janazah should be conscious and aware of making their supplication with ikhlas, with sincerity for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with consciousness and presence of their heart and their mind. Perhaps due to that supplication, Allah may overlook the sins of that person, forgive them their sins at the time when they are going out of this world. There's still some hadith remaining, but uh, this is about what we can cover for today. May Allah make it easy for all of us. As you can see, I am not really in my best condition. Uh, if there are any questions or comments about what we discussed, inshallah we'll complete this chapter in the next uh, time we meet, ta'ala, and perhaps add to it some of the hadith which Al-Imam Abdul Ghani Al-Maqtasi rahimahullah didn't mention in Umdat Al-Ahkam perhaps we'll mention some of the other authentic hadith concerning the Salat of Janazah that may be beneficial and useful and then we will complete Kitab Al-Salat uh, and at that time inshallah we'll have a review and then examination before going on to the next chapter which is Kitab Al-Zakat Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika shadwan la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk If there are any questions from the sisters you may send them if there are any comments or corrections or questions from the brothers, inshallah, before the Adhan, we have a few moments remaining. Now, did somebody check to take the question from the sisters? You said if a person died and their body was discovered after some time, after their death, several days later, uh huh. What's the ruling in terms of the salat? No, if the body is discovered at any point, then uh, as long as any, there's difference of opinion amongst the scholars whether or not the, the body has to be complete or whether or not it's permissible even <laughs> next week, inshallah. <laughs> We tried. Allahumma There's a difference of opinion. Some of the scholars said that the body should be complete. And some said that as long as most of the body is present, some said even a part of the body may be prayed over. There's a lot of difference of opinion about it. But in general, if the body is complete, there's no difference of opinion about it. Uh, it should be prayed over. Even if it's after days or weeks or whatever, as long as the body is discovered, then if it's possible to wash it, it should be washed, if it's possible. If it's not possible, it can be shrouded and prayed upon and buried. Now, depending on the condition of the body, sometimes if the body has decayed, it's not possible to wash it. Those will be difficult to handle. In that case, it's sufficient to shroud the body and uh, bury it. Allah knows best.
Now, if someone is in a situation such as an airplane crash or anything similar to that, earthquake or otherwise, and the bodies are lost, then this comes under the ruling of Salat al or the funeral prayer for the person whose body is absent. As happened, as we mentioned in the hadith today, the hadith of Salat al-Janazah ala al-Najashi. In that case, if the body is missing, then it can be prayed over in its absence. Even though, as we said, there's difference of opinion amongst the scholars, those who said that it's not legislated to pray for a dead person whose body is not present. Even though that's one of the opinions, but the more correct opinion is that it is legislated, especially in the case of the person who no one has prayed over them. Yani, if, if their body is lost and it's not discovered, it's not found, then obviously, for sure, nobody prayed over the body in its presence. Therefore, it should be prayed over in its absence. Allah knows that. Naam. Naam. They should be buried in the condition that they died in, in the clothing that they died in. The Prophet ﷺ said that they will be resurrected in that condition, in the clothing that they died in, in the blood that is present in their body. So they should be left in that condition. Not uh, This is the condition of the shaheed who died in battle only. This is only for the person who died in battle. Allah knows that. The sisters said the fact that there are ten good deeds written for a person who read the Qur'an, then how about when it's being read on the dead person or on his grave? Is there any benefit to the dead person or to the person who is reading the Qur'an? I mean, this topic we discussed previously on more than one occasion. Uh, and uh, the correct opinion of the scholars concerning this, and Allah knows best, is that there's no proof. There's no proof in the Sunnah, in the authentic Sunnah, for reading the Quran over a dead person or going to the grave and reading Quran for them. There's no authentic hadith proving such. And the original ruling in Ibadah, the original ruling for worship is that no worship is allowed except that there's a proof for it. Except that there's a proof. If there's no proof, we are not allowed to do it. And the most correct opinion is that reading of the Qur'an over the dead person at the time of their death, at the funeral, or even at the cemetery, is not legislated. Although some of the scholars held its permissibility, but actually the more correct opinion is that there is no proof for it and it shouldn't be done. And Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani, in his book Kitab al-Jana'iz, concerning the matters related to the dead person and all those things surrounding it, discussed this in detail and we discussed it in the explanation of Aqeel Tahawiyah. So whoever wasn't with us in the discussion of Aqeel Tahawiyah, you can refer back to those lectures where we discussed it in detail and the proofs concerning it in one whole lecture, whether or not the deeds of the living benefit the dead person. Uh, and we said that the deeds of the living do not benefit the dead person except in the case where there's a proof specifically for a particular act. And also, some of the scholars said, which is really the clearly correct opinion, that the Prophet ﷺ, he, in the wisdom that Allah Taala gave to him, directed us to the best thing that a living person can do for a dead person. He directed us and he guided us to what we should do. And he said that 
the best thing that we could do is to pray for them. As he said in the hadith that when a person dies, the deeds are cut off except in the case of a charity that's ongoing. Or knowledge that left behind that benefits the people, a righteous child that prays for them. So supplicating for the dead is the best thing that you could do. And this is clearly legislated not only from the hadith of the Prophet but also in the Quran that generally the believers should pray for those who went before them. So supplicating for them is clearly legislated and it's better to avoid those things which are doubtful. If there's no proof for it, we should leave it. The Prophet ﷺ told us, leave that about which there's doubt for that, about which there's no doubt. And this is a command from the Prophet. If we are in doubt about it, he ordered us, da'a ma yaribuka. Leave that which makes you doubt. Lima la yaribuk. For that which there is no doubt. So, yeah, I mean, these things which have no proof or evidence, it's better to leave them and avoid them. And from amongst them is reading Quran at the funeral of a dead person or at the cemetery. There's no proof when Allah knows best. Subhanakallah, <laughs> This 